Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. This is Patrick D. McCoy, the African-American voice in classical music, and welcome to Across the Arts. Today we are in for a special show, and first of all, I want to talk about the unexpected. So I want to share a little story with you as we begin this uh, special interview today uh, with a special guest. So most of you know, I hope I don't get in trouble here, but most of you know that I'm not a big fan of reality television. It's really rare that I watch uh, reality television. But the blessing of all this is that on Facebook, I was on Facebook a couple of uh, months ago, and one of my dear friends, Dr. Tony McNeil um, in Atlanta, posted this video on my Facebook wall. And usually I don't pay these things any attention. But one late night, I had some time on my hands, and I happened to get to this video, and I clicked play. And what I saw or what I perceived to see is what most people what most people would generally say is a generalization or some kind of stereotype. I saw this African-American, uh, athletic-built young man on America's Got Talent, and he approached the microphone. And I'm African-American, but I couldn't believe it. In my head, I was thinking, oh, is this guy going to rap? Is he going to sing an R&B song or gospel? What is he going to do? And so as I looked at this video, this story unfolds that Travis Pratt has brought his girlfriend onto this show, and he's going to sing one of her favorite arias, O Mio Bavino Caro. Of course, at that time, I didn't know that's what he was going to sing. But, of course, he approaches the microphone and he sings this song, and I hear this soaring soprano voice. And I have just been enamored with this young man and this story ever since. And today I want to have a conversation with Travis, just talk about America's Got Talent, Opera, and Stardom. Please welcome, without further ado, Travis Pratt. Good afternoon, Travis. Good afternoon, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about um, your career. And I just want to jump right to it. So let's go back to the moment when you were on the stage of America's Got Talent. First of all, I'm sure that a lot of people want to know, uh, you know, why Omio Bamido Caro? Um, we know from the story that it was a, it's a song that your girlfriend likes a lot. But, of course, you know, people wonder – Considering the translation of the text is not written for a man, it's written for a soprano. Um, beyond just liking the song, how did you get introduced to Puccini's aria? Well, I got uh, um, I was introduced to Puccini's aria um, through a, a tape actually that my mother bought. Um, Patrick at a yard sale. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, <laughs> my mother literally she would just pick up these things and. Um, she's a lot like myself, has a, a, a very, very vast musical taste. And, you know, uh, I grew up listening to Duke Ellington and to the Georgia Mass Choir and to the Temptations and to Lantine Price and to whomever else. So I, that that kind of uh, um, is, is, is a result of why my particular music um, taste is so vast. But that's when I first heard Omio Bobby No Carter. But actually, to be honest with you, my favorite song from that CD actually was um, Pace Pace Mio Dio from Forrester. Mm. <laughs> wow. So there's, there's the introduction to to, uh, to, to, to Puccini's aria. It, it was through Lentine. So you actually know a lot about opera, and what a few people have come to realize is that you actually studied voice uh 
formally. Talk about, first of all, you studied with one of uh, the former guests of the show, world-renowned tenor, um, George Shirley. Talk about that experience briefly with the listeners. George Shirley is uh, one of one of my heroes. He's uh, literally the most brilliant man I know. He's he's um, has a, a, a knowledge set that is just beyond words. He literally, uh, Mr. McCoy, knows everything. In our lessons, we would have conversations about everything from photosynthesis to glycolysis and, you know, ending up with um, whose debut was at the minute at this time and who sang this. Brilliant, brilliant man. I love him to death. Talk to him every chance I get. Um, wonderful and treasure, and um, he, he's a teacher. I mean, he takes you if he, you know, if he thinks you have a particular talent. So I was, I was honored to be, you know, one of his students. And you leave the lesson every week feeling like you can fly. Mm. Mm. That is profound. I have another. Uh, I'm going to go back to my introduction uh, because I will be honest. You know, I'm one of these people. People say, you know, do you watch um, uh, America's Got Talent? Do you watch this show? Do you watch this show? And I'm the first person to say, no, I don't watch that. Whatever. There's no real musicians on there. But had I not seen this clip, I wouldn't have been exposed to you. So I'm, I'm very thankful that, and I'm thankful. To, to this this platform. So that moves me to my point. What made you choose uh, to audition for uh, this particular show, especially given its platform, considering, you know, there are many opera competitions out here, you know, a young artist program and all that. Uh, what was your motivation to try this medium of exposure? Gotcha. Now, the story of uh, Ms. McCoy sounds like a fairy tale, but it, this part of it is, is actually not TV. It's the truth. Um, my fiance, her name is Elvira Van Horn. She's a brilliant lady. I love her to death. Um, this was actually trickery on her part, honestly. Um, but make no mistake about it, I, I'm, I'm completely happy with the situation. If I can do it over again, I would plan it and do even more. Um, so actually, um, what ended up happening was, um, you know, I live in Houston, and you know, we do routine trips to you know San Antonio, and that's what I thought we were doing. That's what she told me we were doing. And, um, you know, I, it, it, I should have known something was weird, Patrick, because she agreed to drive. I drive this woman everywhere. So I'm like, okay. And, and we get there, and, and we're passing what, what our normal stops would be, and I end up at the Henry B. Gonzalez Convention Center, and there's a line of, like, thousands of people. And she goes, oh, um, you know, this is um, the audition for America's Got Talent, and you're about to audition. I'm like, uh, and anybody who knows anything about Travis Pratt, I love to perform. And I'm never going to back down from the situation the same. Um, that's what I love to do. So I'm like, absolutely, let's do this. So we're in line, figuring things out. And actually, this particular season, and if you watch the show, um, or if, if you've been keeping up with the show, there were a lot of tenors in line and legit tenors who I've been in young artist programs with. Actually, um, mm. a friend of mine is also on the show who has had a Met debut. Um, we went to Michigan together. Um, he's singing with the, with the tenor group. Um, so when we got there and she saw that there were all of these other classical singers that we were expecting to be the only, to, to be the only classical, you know, act. And there were all these other tenors, and she looked at me, and she was like, baby, you have to sing soprano. And, you know, I've, I've joked around with that voice for years. I didn't necessarily has even heard it. Um, you know, I've joked around with it, you know, doing one line and spinning. Because uh, back in the day, Mr. McCoy, I could do a high C and can float it like the day plenty. And you know, since I've been since I've been picking it back up, I have those notes again now. Like I wasn't prepared um, for the show. I hope I don't get in trouble by saying that. But I, 
because honestly, it was it was extemporaneous. It was off the top of her head, and what I wanted to sing was "Talk to Me, Odile," because I play I, I sing that all the time, vacuuming the house or whatever. I would have been very equipped to do that one, but the producers of the show. Um, they wanted me to do the Omeo Babino Caldwell once they knew I was going to sing hi because they knew the audience and the listeners would, would know that song because it's popular. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where um, the Omeo Babino Caldwell came in. And literally, you know, I honestly, like, Googled the words on my phone and got it together real quick. <laughs> and that's no lie. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is just Phenomenal. So, so moving forward into you know your choice of song and you having to choose whether you're going to sing in your operatic tenor voice versus singing in this new this uh, kind of revisited soprano voice that you had always experimented with. I guess I want to go back to this point of you know I'm sure that that the people who are in the opera world versus just the people in the audience, I'm sure that people have a lot to say. So I guess my point is. Where do you go from here as far as pursuing um, your operatic singer? Do you think you will keep experimenting with the soprano voice and maybe mention your character tenor, or will you pursue the operatic tenor path? Well, uh, Mr. McCoy, that's one of the problems I have um, with this art form that I love so deeply. There are so many rules, and there's so many, oh, this has to be done this way, and this is what this oh Mozart this you could never scoop in Mozart oh he would turn over in his grave oh this isn't Puccini you can't sing this like this the early music um this is this is Handel or this is Monteverdi you know this is whomever you can't sing this in the Verismo style and you can't do this because of this and you can't do that because of that and then this is out of context with this in my personal opinion and I know most of my constituents would disagree with me, I think that any of those composers would be absolutely thrilled that people are still singing their music. You know, I think I think it would be just tickle pink. Um, I think most all would be ecstatic to know that, you know, people are still singing Porta d'Amour. And um, with that being said, you know, I just... As I just... I abhor rules and stereotypes. That's just not my thing. I don't, you know... So for me... Um, I, I won't let anybody make me choose. Um, they edit this part out on, on, in the show because uh, one of the celebrity judges, Mr. McCoy, asked me, he goes, Travis, are you a soprano? I said, no, I'm not a soprano. I'm a singer. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is I'm a singer. I'm, I'm many things. Um, you know, I I, um, I can float a B flat. I can sing a low B flat. I, I was a former baritone. And, and, and to this day, I, I can... <laughs> I can still sing um, Escamillo's artist from Carmen. Actually, I've done the whole role. I can still do um, Figaro from Il Barbia di Sabilia. I've done the entire role. And I eventually transitioned up to tenor with Mr. Shirley um, because when he would hear me sing these high notes, he's like, Travis, you're, you're not a baritone, son. And, you, you know, so he he got me into into to the high voice, and the countertenor voice is still there. And in addition to that, I'm also a gospel musician, and <laughs> my choirs have won national contests. You know, I'm also a jazz pianist, and, you know, one of the things that what bothered me about this entire thing, uh, Mr. McCoy, is all of my teachers, and I'm not, no disrespect to any of them, I love them all dearly, but they would tell me, oh, you don't need to be singing gospel. Oh, you don't, oh, why are you doing blah, 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 blah. You're going to sing yourself right out of the mat, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, and I felt like it didn't allow me to be who Travis is, because Travis is all mm-hmm. of these things. 
And, you know, I'm not at a point to where, you know, I need, you know, constant approval. I'm kind of, I'm a little bit older now, and I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. So just <laughs> watch out for what's going to come next for me. I mean, it, it may be um, over my food from Xerxes, and it may be Nelson Dorma. <laughs> I love it. So you just said about what's coming next. I'm sure everybody wants to know what is coming next. You know, you've had this big platform, and everybody knows who Travis Pratt is. Even if one has never listened to opera, your story, I mean, even the fact that you were on this major show, it introduced opera to persons who may have never uh, had an introduction. So I want to know what is coming up next. Project, talk to us. Actually, um, um, I've, I've been um, approached by a couple of people, and I've, I've not made a definite decision on, on, you know, the the platform uh, or the media that I'm, I'm going to introduce things through. But I, I, I will tell you this: that I, I have been doing some studio stuff, and uh, I'm looking to um, release a single um, within the next few weeks. It'll be out probably. At the end of this month, or definitely at the latest, at the end, I mean, at the beginning of September. I'm going to release probably two different things. Um, not sure what I'm going to release first, but just just know that it will be eclectic and uniquely tragic. Mm. <laughs> you sound like you have a major plan. Oh, and my classical um, um, uh, counterparts are going to be like, what is this? You know, because that's like like you suggested. That's where the flag is coming from, and I don't want to sound like I'm upset because I'm not. But I do want to say this, this is because the thing is, in our art form, this thing that we all love, we're in trouble. Let's face it. Companies are closing. You know, um, companies are left and right, and ticket sales are not what they've been. I mean, seriously, and and I think we could all agree to that. My personal opinion is because we're failing to change. I think anything that doesn't change is on the decline. And mm. I feel like we have to do what we need to do to make it accessible to people who were, who otherwise would not be interested. And I think platforms like the one that I've taken in, uh, and I, there's other people who are doing other things, we need not to hold this thing like an elitist art form and only the best of the best has access to it because the best of the best are dying off and they're not writing these huge checks to support these these productions any longer or it's definitely changing. And I think in order for it to grow and to continue, it must evolve. And for that to happen, we've got to pull in a different audience. Mm-hmm. You, you bring up some valid points because you have to have that diversity piece, and that's something that's still, even in 2013, is certainly lacking, you know, in opera and certainly um, in classical music. I want to harken back to your undergraduate days. Talk to you about your undergraduate college experience because um, I want to be sure you went to school in Georgia for undergrad. Talk to me about that and, and maybe some of the experiences that maybe um, helped you when you went to graduate school. I um, went to Albany State University in uh, Albany, Georgia. Um, my first music teacher, mentor, um, his name is Dr. Leroy Bynum, and um, taught me taught me entire um, uh, taught me a, a, a whole lot about uh, what I know about the business and you know about singing. But in addition to that, he was also um, a sort of a father figure mentor, and he still is. I, I talk to him regularly, and of course, he had a lot to say about this. I'm sure, I'm sure he's listening. Um, a lot to say about it. 
Um, but to, to to make a long story short, um, you know, and during during that time in my life, you know, I I needed the mentorship, and it was right on time. Like uh, that that university, even to the president, um, who was Portia Holmes Hill, Doctor Portia Holmes Hill, that like they were my family, and you know, I I, I had this 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 talent, um, but you know, I had at that point I had never been to you know an opera. Um, I had never. You know, my my experience came from I got intrigued with it through listening to the 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 CDs and the tapes that my mother brought to yard sale as a kid, and and my the wheel started turning at that point, and I knew that it was something that I wanted to do. Even immediately as a kid, you know, my mind didn't register, my body it was foreign to, but my soul, my spirit knew what it was. I was instantaneously connected to it, and I knew from that point that I was going to sing opera. I didn't know how, and when I got to Albany State, um. You know, I, there was a library there. He introduced me to all this. I would go to his to his home and listen to recordings and, and, and to everything. It was a it was a family situation on top of the education. So something that I would never trade. I mean, it's not a huge school like where I went to graduate school or to like you know a conservatory. But the nursing that I needed, I, I definitely got it there. Now we have something in common um, that um, a couple of people wanted me to bring out. Talk to me about. Your, your fraternity experience in college? <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I, I am a member of uh, a proud member of, of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Um, I I have six line brothers. I'm one of seven. We're actually a dual line, and we're all really really close. We um, try to talk once a week, um, something like that. Yeah, they were all extremely excited about this experience. You know, they they knew about it. I kind of gave them. The inside scoop before things were happening, um, and it, that one of the beauties about the fraternity to me, and especially um, my undergraduate experience where I played, I played for Albany State. Um, these guys are, are football players. Another one's a baseball player, and scholars, and um, uh, my age is a scientist, and literally we we run the gamut. And these are guys I probably you know would would not have crossed paths with paths with if it wasn't for the fraternity, and we. Literally, are the best of friends. I mean, literally, thirteen, fourteen years later. Wow! To the listeners, I couldn't resist bringing that up because I am also a brother of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, and also, the, in my opinion, one of the world's greatest tenors, George Shirley, is also a member of Alpha. So I had to definitely uh, bring that out. That's right. Um, That's right. Yes, indeed. <laughs> now, just as we um kind of bring the um, interview to a close because we were almost about at that time. I just want to um, just go back to uh, this whole experience on um, America's Got Talent. So I'm sure it was uh, an honor. And I'm sure that you've had um, different kinds of reaction, but I'm more interested in the reaction. How does your family take the whole uh, stardom of, of you being on TV and how have people treated you differently? Oh my gosh! Are you kidding me? They love it. You know they're getting interviewed and stuff too. And, and my sister just eats it all up. She's like, "Man, I gotta go to Walmart so these people can ask me all of this stuff." <laughs> <laughs> my brother, you know, he's been interviewed several times. I mean, they are they are eating it up. They absolutely love it. But you know, wow. they, they definitely keep me grounded. They they want to remind me, you know, you just trap now. Don't don't get too big. You you, you ain't you ain't nobody like that yet. <laughs> <laughs> of course, so but I'm they've sure. always done that to me. <laughs> 
So I'm sure everybody wants to know, when is the wedding date? The wedding at this, we, we are still um, contemplating between two days, but we're leaning towards November 30th. We want to do it before the year's out. Wow. That should be amazing. Now, talk to me about your um, fiance. I know she uh, encouraged you and made sure you got to the audition. Is she music- musically inclined herself or just happens to just like music? No, she is. She's a stellar singer. That's actually how we met. That's that's always our joke. That's how she got me. When I heard her sing, it was over. Um, <laughs> I was serious. I heard her sing. I was like, okay, now that's 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 a rap. Sorry, guys. Um, this was mine. But um, no, she's a, a fabulous singer. Choir director, the whole nine. That's we met through music, but it was actually in the church. Actually, and she's she's got a project um, in the works as well. Wow. Travis, just as we wrap up the the interview, I want to just tell you personally how uh, proud I am of you, how moved I am, and just as moved as I'm sure as as millions across this country are moved and and touched with your story. Because the fact of the matter is, as we have um, offered forth on this interview, it takes a lot of courage to, first of all, step out of what people expect you to do, uh, for you to go on a show that is not necessarily geared towards classical music, yet you have made it your oyster and your platform, so you certainly um, deserve props for that. And if it's anything, it's an inspiration for other people to not let things bind them and, and box themselves in. I mean, as far as you could have been on Soul Train and still sing that aria and still have gotten, you know, the exposure you need because of your tenacity. And I want to um, certainly thank you. So just um, my final thought that I would like to offer up to you, maybe you can um, impart to listeners, um, what would you, what advice would you uh, personally give to someone who is struggling um, to make a name for themselves in this arena called classical music and opera? I'm so glad you asked that. My advice to that would be this. Um, you have to do what God has called you to do. And and to do that, you may have to defy what's considered normal. You may have to defy um, the stereotypes. Uh, Nobody can be uniquely who you are. You have a a unique set of of fingerprints and and all of that good stuff, and nobody can do what God has set forth for you to do. And if you don't do it, um, you know, actually how how are you expecting it to be done? And in addition to that, um, one of the things that uh, my fiancé says all the time is it's not – you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily the talent. It's the person attached to the vocal cords that makes the song worth, that, that makes the voice worth listening to. It's the person. It's who you are. It's your experience. It's, you know, the, how you've lived, how you were brought up. And you bring all of that to the table, and you have to be uniquely who you are. In, in, in closing, you have to embrace your journey. It's not going to be the journey of Lentine Price. It's not going to be the journey of of Lawrence Brownlee or, or Morris Robinson or any of the, the, the stars, especially the, the African-American stars of this community um, in this particular art form, that may not be the way you come across this. And you can't let fear of what somebody else is going to think stop you from going forward. Mm, so if there's anybody out there listening, the thing that I got out of that is embrace the journey. Embrace the journey. Listeners, we have been listening and chatting here with America's Got Talent sensation, Travis Pratt. I am Patrick McCoy, the African American Voice in Classical Music. And before I let Travis go, Travis, could you share with the listeners um, if we want to, you know, follow you on Twitter or Facebook or website, how do we go about doing that? 
Okay, um, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. I'm all at Leading Tanner. All at, at you, Leading uh, Tanner. YouTube wow. at Leading Tanner, Twitter at Leading Tanner, and and I, of course I have a Facebook artist page now, and that's Travis T. Pratt. Wow, and you are certainly a leading tenor. We certainly thank you for leading the way in in this arena, especially as as young artists, you know, find their way. I mean, you have done a courageous thing, and again, you have stepped out of the box. You have used a platform, and I, and I and I said I was going to let you go, and I am. But I do want to offer this. For so many times, people don't see the jewel in the unexpected. That's why I chose this, even this title of this show, because when you approach the microphone, even myself. All I saw was one thing, and it was totally something else. But if you would just give something the opportunity and use your advantage, it could be certainly a jewel in your crown. And in your instance, I mean, you have made this your oyster. So thank you so much, Travis, and I wish you the very best. Thanks a million. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. Okay, thank you, sir.